Whoa. Okay, it's on. Here we are. Yeah. Uh, hold on, no, I need to move. I'd say closer. <sighs> yeah. You might notice that the audio isn't as crisp and clean as it usually is, but that's mm. because we're recording out of a task cam connected to a, a box which used to have a mouse in it and it's kept in place by a cup of tea. Uh, it's funny because this is our first podcast we've done it together in the same room in a long time and it's funny that coincides with the audio quality being worse <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, was, I was always thinking like we're getting the same room again it's going to be a real up in terms of production value but we've gotten far far worse yeah way downhill um <laughs> but yeah i'm mark from mk ultra film how's it going i'm kinian from mk ultra film how's it going it's going good yeah it's going well mm-hmm. yeah it's uh here we are we're both here Killian's in Dublin Mark's in Dublin yeah it's weird being in the same room it's funny we've been doing the podcast so long now that it's I've lived it we've been in the country and then I was out of the country and now I'm back yeah. and then you were out of the country I've left the country come back to the country you've left the country the global pandemic happened mm. let's not forget that what, what did you say you looked at our first episode and when was it July 2019 yeah, and I, I, I mean, I'm not sure how many people have stuck with us all those three years. Of... I think, like, I think our core <laughs> listeners, like, being like our parents. What would you uh, say? Our retention percentage is probably like two percent, maybe. No, <laughs> I, 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 but have you noticed on the stats? Yeah, people who do listen generally listen to the entire thing, which I'm yeah. very surprised by. I don't yeah. finish podcasts very much, do you? No, no, it's strange. You guys are weird. Yeah. You guys listen to this whole thing. I do find it weird just seeing you right there in front of me now. Yeah, I find it a bit strange. Well, I'll get used to it. I'll get used to it. Yeah, we got a couple of cold beers to ease us into the mm-hmm. harshness of looking into each other's eyes. Yeah, we needed a social crutch because being this physically close to another human, it's just, I'm not totally used to it yet. I just want to say, we had, I got a, got a lot of nice messages in on the Instagram about our last episode. And that was, you know, it's nice to see that people are enjoying listening and it's nice to see, uh, you know, to get a bit of feedback from people. And we got some nice movie recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some nice takes on things we were discussing. So we actually did get a very interesting message. I don't know if anyone, uh, who, the people who were listening that last week remember me and Mark's theory that the film that won Best Picture this year is called Coda. And uh, we have a very strong theory that Coda does not exist. And yeah, it's not a, a fake film. film. And it's some sort of surreal thing. So this is a message from, we got on Instagram from someone who said they had seen Code. It was a voice uh, a voice review. So this is, just remember when you listen to this, we don't think Coda is a real film. And we think that most people who say they've seen it are bots. Hi, I'm a human and I saw Coda and I thought it was a real, 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 real film. <laughs> I mean, holds up. What do you think? Did you think that was a real person? It was a real human review, yeah. So the, I, I liked just, it. I think that the that that um that was a bot. Yeah. Okay, that was a, some sort of Russian bot. Yeah. And Coda, I maintain, does not exist. Um, we also got a cool message from someone who did like a master's or a thesis or something on Batman. This is uh, a message from um, Tim Hogan. Mm. Uh, so hey, just listen to the podcast. Glad you love the Batman, as did I. Just thought I'd give my two cents as a huge Batman fan and comic nerd. I have a dissertation written on post 9-11 fiction focusing on modern Batman comets, so I hope this is an okay credential. This is a good credential. That's a solid it's credential. It's a better credential yeah. than we've got. Yeah. Uh, Batman has always been a detective, and the portrayal of Bruce Wayne as was accurate. Depending on the writer, he is either a billionaire playboy or incredibly damaged, so it makes sense he's, he's so emo. I mean, he's been off wandering around the world training and learning detective skills and science. So no wonder he has zero social skills. That's a good point. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah, this was my favorite Batman to date. So I would say I much prefer it as a comic fan than Nolan's. 
But if I was to be objective, I'd say Dark Knight is the better film to a normal audience. But the Batman to me is the perfect Batman film. Also, I'd be interested to hear if you saw the Joker uh, deleted scene on YouTube. Sorry for the long message. Thank you for the long message, yeah, Tim. Yeah, it's, nice. it's actually very, very insightful. I think I agree. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I don't have the comic book credentials that, or whatever, but I, I do think I um, I prefer the Christopher Nolan films as films in, in their own right. But from what I understand about the whole Batman character and everything like that, it mm. does seem to be more accurate. Mm. Uh, and I saw the deleted Joker scene. I thought it was really good. I thought it was great. Yeah. I, I thought it was interesting when your friend, your, your friend said, uh, that he hated seeing Barry Keoghan yeah. Joker so much. I I like it, and it's a new take, yeah. and it's he looks really horrible, and he's. Do you think it's a new take, or do you think it's the same take uh, as mm. Heath Ledger's? I think it's kind of a similar take. I think I think from the brief scene, Heath I saw. Ledger, the Heath Ledger one. Yeah, I don't know the Heath Ledger ones. I can't really remember it, um, to be honest. But he seemed yeah. very like like together and and like I, I think this one just seems like a kind of a weird creepy guy like his hair is all mm. like Heath Ledger was yeah, so like awful. handsome and yeah and like the, the Barry Keown looks really horrible like, really scary <laughs> scary yeah. like his hair is all his hair is horrible yeah. yeah I know I actually I'm gonna find it hard to even look at him yeah. Uh, but yeah no that, so that that it, we did get some lovely responses um, from the last podcast so if you have interesting things but we I think we exclusively want people who've written dissertations so yeah if you're if not you, if you're not an expert on yeah. the topic please yeah right. please just refrain like come uh, on um, you wanted to, to well yeah I just I saw uh, basically it's still, still on the topic of comic book films but um, I just I see a lot of Marvel fans uh, pe- fans of the Marvel uh, cinema universe uh, I see them always complaining about you know, Marvel films not getting the, I don't know, the accolades that they deserve or the respect that they deserve. I remember when, when Michael, Michael Scorsese, (laughs) when Martin Scorsese, uh, you know, came out and said that he thought that Marvel films weren't cinema in what he, in his understanding of what cinema is. Like, you know, people being very, very upset. And I understand that because he's like probably the most respected director and even film historian saying that this thing that you love is not real cinema. But like the, the, kind of backlash to that has been people thinking that like, you know, Marvel films deserve to be, you know, respected in all manner of ways. Like they deserve Mm. to get Oscars. They deserve for for best actors and all these kind of things. And they feel like they're not getting respected that way. And I just think it's really kind of, I don't know, like, are they not happy having completely dominated all film for the last fucking 15 years? It's just been comic book film, comic book Mm. film, you know, 12 different films. Are they not happy with that? Now they want to just like, own all the like awards and accolades and stuff like that let's let's roll well this is this is kind of two who i would describe as kind of marvel film delusional kind of people what podcast is this from i don't i don't know this is from this is two men the big humble podcast um and it's two it's just two men talking uh which is quite similar to what you're listening to now like has an avengers movie ever been nominated for best picture no there's no way why they're good movies phenomenal movies it's like they make the most money Everybody, Everybody likes loves them. them. Everybody loves them. And here we are with Coda. Oh, Coda. Girl in Deaf Family falls in love with Guy Who Hear. Oh, that sounds really, really fun. <laughs> As opposed to a man who can, like, chop people's limbs off with yeah. fucking time Buckets. portals. What's the movie with the dude? He's like a man. What about that? <laughs> I yeah. Like, I like that their logic is whatever makes the most money is the best thing. Yeah. Like, there is a way to, to say, like, no. Like, what I was thinking, like, imagine, like, like Starbucks is probably the most profitable coffee company in the yeah. world, but it's shit. McDonald's makes the most money in the world in terms of food, but it's not the best food in the world. 
Yeah, and it doesn't deserve an award. No. Um, <laughs> Given a Michelin star to McDonald's. That's what they're asking for. Yeah, it's also like, I think it's dumb, like, that people would... I don't know what I'm trying to say. What am I trying to say? I'm not sure, but uh, <laughs> I, the, 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 the thing that annoys me about Marvel uh, cinema fans is this kind of perception and i've seen people say on twitter it's not like i've seen people say this as well but like Mm. this idea that they're the underdog in the industry and that like they're not getting the respect that that they should be getting and there's some sort of like spunky underdog is spunky the right word do you there but who like a grifty underdog who's kind of fighting against the system and creating these films when in reality they're the biggest financed films they get seen by the most people and it's like uh and then they look at something like Lord of the Rings got 11 Oscars and they're kind of annoyed about that. And they're like, why doesn't our film get it? And it's like, because your films, like, they're not that good. Like, they're mm. mass entertaining films, but they're kind of low on, on kind of heart it, and it, it, I think emotion. It, and it is like, it's, 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 it's the, the equivalent of saying, like, why, why wouldn't you give a Midland Star to McDonald's? Yeah. It's, the, it's, the, it's the most universally liked yeah. restaurant. Yeah. Like, everyone loves McDonald's. But it is. Maybe we should be giving a Midland Star to McDonald's. Just all awards are based on <laughs> revenue. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. Revenue-based awards. I kind of think, maybe the Rev Awards. Yeah. the box office, that's what that's for. Anyway, that that, that was a, a just a clip I thought was interesting. I don't mm. know people... It is. It's funny because yeah. there's a there's a person I work with who I who, who I very much like and respect, but would be a big Marvel fan. And I I raised that clip with him, and and then I kind of thought he'd be like, "Oh, it's ridiculous." Because like, I I kind of thought in, in my head he likes Marvel, but he's aware of mm. you know their kind of shit. But you know, he was like, "I would." I think I tend to agree with that. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, oh shit! Really? People do think that way, yeah. and it's very like. Uh, why isn't the thing I like, you know, like this is annoying. The thing, like not understanding that things are subjective and art is mm. subjective and liking things is subjective. And it's like, imagine like I like some fucking weird ass, you know, uh, you know, French film that's like very under the radar or something. And me being very annoyed that it's not getting the recognition. I'm like, why isn't everybody going to see this weird fucking thing that I like? Yeah, It's like, yeah. no, you like your things and people like other things and stuff, but... I think not being able to step back and kind of go like, you know, people have different opinions to me or mm. whatever. Like looking at a film like the Batman and, and looking at a film like, I don't know, I can't even think, like Iron Man and going like, oh, Iron Man is, I liked it more. So it's ob- obviously a better film. I yeah, just think that's yeah. a very like a delusional, I see a bit of delusion I, in this. I did that too. Like, I, yeah. I'd say stuff is really good and uh if people don't agree. You're a, ma- a massive Stevie Dan fan, but yeah. you wouldn't be annoyed that like, I don't know, like 15 and 16 year olds aren't listening to Stevie Dan and you wouldn't no. be going, those guys are idiots for not liking Stevie Dan. Mm. That's what, Marvel fans, like if you say you don't like Marvel f- films, they go on the offensive and they kind of say, you're a fucking idiot. Well, not all of them, some of them. Some yeah, of them. <laughs> I don't want to generalize, but yeah. Marvel fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, do, I, I, I find that on the online space, they, they can be a little bit weird. Yeah, I don't I don't engage. Maybe I should engage. I, I've, yeah. I've had a few Reddit uh, back and forths in my time um, about movies. And I think it's a it's just a, an activity that's better left be. Yeah. Because you just get annoyed with people and you don't even know who they are. Yeah. Um, and you're just like, oh, I, I find that what I find. What annoys me, if I really like something. Mm. and someone else says they think it's shit mm. because I'm kind of a contrarian I kind of like that sometimes if like if I put on a Steve Dan album and someone's like this is the worst music I've ever heard I'm like yeah. oh yeah that's good you did I, I you described it. me once 
you described to me once a, a scenario that you enjoyed, which was you uh, at a party and somehow the aux cable has been left unattended and, and you plugging in uh, music. You enjoy putting on a song and then seeing people in the room who aren't really focused on the music kind of go, what the fuck is playing? What yeah. is that? No. You, lo- you get a weird pleasure to kind I of do. destroy no, the no. vibe. I think, I think... Uh... I think if you're at a party, you need to have one ally. That's the thing. You need to have one ally there. And if you have one other ally, there is, there's no more exhilarating thing you can do in life than completely destroy everyone's buzz at a party. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. I think it's so. Yeah. I remember once me, me and my older cousin went to my younger cousin's house, and all his like he he was a good bit younger than this. Like maybe we were like. I don't know, 20, 24, and they were like maybe 17 and 18 or something. Okay. And we started putting on really bad music because we were like older, I think. Maybe they didn't want to tell us to stop. And then slowly, one by one, everyone just started leaving the house. And I was like, God. You ruined this party. I was like, God, this is so funny. <laughs> it's like that if, if anyone is uh, is interested, I've probably sent it to you. My, yeah, fav- yeah, yeah. my favorite article of all yeah. time is an article a guy wrote for Vice where he went into a bar and played the boys are back in town like over and over and over again until they barred him from the place. Mm-hmm. I think he might have done it two consecutive days. He did it uh, until he got barred, but yeah. he, he they, used to do it uh, every once in a while. But one time I think he goes and decides like, I'm going to do this all night. He live tweeted the whole thing. He was yeah. like, I'm putting it on again. And he said people were going insane because for a while they didn't even know it was him. Yeah. He said people were like accusing each other of doing it and like getting really angry at each other and stuff. There's a funny line I remember and it's very well written. I really recommend checking out. There's a funny line I remember where some man walks up to him and is almost like crying and with rage. And he just says, why are you doing this? There's there's a really funny bit where where he says, like, I was in the queue for the jukebox and the person person beside me came up. Or no, he's like, I was at the jukebox about to press the buttons and someone came up and said, are you about to put on the boys are back in town again? And I said, no, as I pressed the keys corresponding to the boys are back in town. <laughs> oh, that's the best song ever. Oh, Repetition's um, also funny. Playing the same song over yeah, and over again is it, another it, thing that I think there. is very funny. Um, Should okay. we review some films? Let's crack on. So uh, the first film we're going to review is a film that we slightly mentioned last week. Oh, um, should we? Should we? Yeah. Cold beer. That's not it. That's a Hollywood sound studio there. That's not real. Um, so this is a film, uh, I think it's, is it Netflix? I don't know. But uh, it's starring Stephen Graham. Um, it's a, I don't know. I'm not going to say anything about it because I'll just repeat it in the, in the voice message. But this is Boiling Point. Just watched Boiling Point, um, which you recommended that I watch. Uh, and also my friend Joe recommended that I watch. Um, it's... A single shot film with Stephen Graham as the lead role as a chef in a in a fancy good restaurant and he's kind of in the middle of a breakdown and it's just so happens it's the most stressful night of the year um it's a brilliant film very gripping uh I watched your mum she said uh that's a film that your father wouldn't have fallen asleep to which is if you've ever watched a film with my dad, an extremely high praise. Um, it's got, you know, you're able to see all these different people's lives and it's done extremely well in the way we kind of slip in and out of all the different people. The high stress of working in the service industry, anyone who's worked in a kitchen, it really is so accurate how it's represented. And also that camaraderie of the kitchen and the camaraderie of the 
the staff and the front staff and everything, the annoying customers, all of that stuff. You have professional rivalries. You have, oh, it's just brilliant. It's very believable, super realistic kind of representation. But fuck me, was it depressing? It was honestly like, I mean, you can hear the, the, the music that they're playing over the credits at the moment. Okay, that's not a happy film. It was not. <laughs> and um, yeah, I found it quite a heavy watch, but overall, it was brilliant. Did you want to hear Mum's review of it? What did you think of it, Mum? Yeah, no, it was absolutely brilliant, but sad that people's lives can be really shite in some ways. Mm. It was just. And it was difficult to work out how it would end. Yeah, but, we yeah. don't talk about how it ends. We don't no. review. It. We won't say how it ends, but you can tell by the credit, credit music how how it ends. <laughs> anyway, great movie. Yeah, that's uh, the, listening to myself there. I, I was thinking of that Tommy Tiernan line where he said like heroin would have livened me up. Like I was so, <laughs> I was so. You could see it's like a very high anxiety induced mm. film. Um, and you can see from the way I'm talking how little that must have affected me. Yeah. Because when watching it, I, my heart was like, do, 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 do. yeah, yeah. It's it's. But afterwards, it sounded like I was having a fucking stroke. It's tired. Like it's yeah. It's, you've you've been through. Yes. Uh, yeah. Been through a lot. I'm just wondering now, did we review this before? No, we didn't. You reviewed it before, but we haven't. No, no, we haven't talked about this one before. Did we not? I definitely recorded a review. You recorded a review, sent it to me, recommended it. And then we, we ah, and, and then, then you said you were going to watch it. And then I and said I was going to watch it, and I said, "Don't let's not review it." Mm. And, and then, you waited like six months. <laughs> six months. Before. <laughs> well, it's a fucking brilliant. Oh, film. it's amazing! And it was it was the first, uh, the only other f- one shot film I've seen is Victoria. Victoria, yeah, 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 and that's great. But I think this is even weirdly because victoria spans like the whole city and they get on trains and stuff but this i thought was nearly even more impressive because it's all just in a pretty confined restaurant like yeah. the level of coordination yeah and the amount of cast members as well yeah. like, it's it's so impressive like it's nuts it's very impressive feat uh, i love one take films i haven't watched one that i haven't liked mm. uh, uh rope by alfred hitchcock oh, i've seen that that's yeah. brilliant um 1917 the war that's, that's a fake that's a fake there's one. a fake one shot so was rope i think and so all of them they're all all of them have this one wasn't this one had had uh didn't i watched interviews with stephen graham and he said it was just a one shot surely there was a surely not what yeah it's a one shot that's a complete one shotter one shotter oh man stephen graham is an incredible actor yeah. he just has the ability to he's a character actor right yeah. and they're they're i don't know like many people were complaining about um Colin Farrell's performance in Batman that we were both big fans of because they say that level of prosthetic kind of takes away uh, the the role of the character actor because you're just getting big leads to do a role that should be like Steve Madden Stephen Graham is the oh Penguin. I know what you mean and people are yeah. kind of annoyed uh, that's a valid point they actually. call it someone someone called it the Jared Letoization of uh, acting because Jared Leto is like a lead you know he's he's like a, a big lead he's kind of handsomely we don't like him yeah but he is very uh, big and uh, the his role in Gucci, right? His um, mm. his role. He was like playing some weird Italian uncle, uh, and they just got like an extremely good looking person, put a shit ton of prosthetics on them, and then got him to play this kind of weird Italian uncle. And it's like, wouldn't it have been cooler if you just got someone who looked a bit more mm. like that? It and, is, and yeah. got them to do it, or someone like Stephen Graham who's able to take on all these different, 
you know, he's just able to slip into the suit of a chef and he just seems completely believable. Well, well, he's able to, uh, I, I don't, I wouldn't say he's an actor with a, a diverse amount of roles. Like he's always plays like a miserable, miserable No, he, no, he kind of, played, like he was really good in The Irishman. He was good. He's, um, was he? Oh, he was. Yeah. Like he's able to kind of play. But it's usually like, I, I guess he's usually like pretty serious and either a criminal or someone who's miserable. <laughs> 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 have you seen this is england Did... yeah 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 yeah. God, he's, good, but he's different in that yeah he's he totally, is he takes, he's totally kind of different he's so good in that that film yeah. is so good yeah yeah Whoa. yeah it's so intense <laughs> he's I, I love him anyway i'm glad he's kind of getting a, a sort of you know a kind of the recognition that he he uh he probably hasn't ever because he's kind of always playing the background characters or mm. he's never a lead He's kind of getting recognition now that I think he he, he deserves because I just love those kind of actors who were able to slip into different characters and stuff. Mm. Anyway, yeah, I, I mean, I think I like prosthetics. I loved um, Colin Farrell in Batman, but maybe I would have liked to see someone a bit different. Well, I think that in role. that case, because it's a comic book thing, I think that maybe the prosthetics is... Like, he didn't really look like a real person. No, he didn't. He looked mad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say my only critique of Boiling Point, and this is kind of just... It's it's just me being kind of too uh, hmm? picky or whatever, but yeah, uh, I couldn't gauge the f- level of fanciness of the restaurant. It seemed like the kitchen was like a Michelin star restaurant, but then mm. the people were like drinking shots at their tables, and like the waiters were all mm. very casual. It's kind of like it's a bit mismatched. I felt like the floor staff in the kitchen. Mm. Everything like that was a bit mixed up. Well, that's because, I mean, I, Michelin it, it doesn't mean the same thing as it used to, you know, like that's kind of, but no, you are right. Like, the front of house staff was very lax and they were, were very all, lax and laid back. And then but the, there, I mean, I don't know enough about, but like they looked the same as the places I worked. Mm, they had mm. the same level of skill that I had. But, but then they were, yeah, then they were making out that this guy was like a very, very high, highly respected. It did look shit. like, it did look like a, it looked like a very fancy place. And yeah. then even like his, his friend or former boss who came in is, 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 I think he was supposed to be kind of like a Gordon Ramsay type mm. guy. But then the floor staff and the kitchen and the bar mm. all seemed extremely casual, like a TV. Have you ever and... worked in service? Have you worked? I worked oh, yeah, as yeah, a barista. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like that representation of, of the kind of, the, the just, the way it is in a kitchen and the mm. kind of the talking about customers and you know running back and kind of chatting and the tiny little bits of conversation and the in jokes and all that mm-hmm. stuff and how incredibly close you can be to the people you work with yeah. because you have to just like deal with so much shit together yeah, like, yeah. Th- that is the, the main thing that I enjoyed in that film I was just so impressed at how they managed to build that world yeah. and represent it on screen it was all it, the actors were amazing it was like it was like um, it was like Uncut Gems but without being funny. You know, the way Uncle James was like kind of funny and Adam Sandler was like, so it was just like Uncle, Uncle James level of stress. Uncle James. Uncle James, yeah. Uh, <laughs> level of stress. But without any funny stuff. I'm kind of making it sound really horrible, but it was it was really, it is horrible. No, it's it is horrible. horrible. No, no, I don't think you should downplay how much of a shit show that film is. When it ended, I was like, oh my god well you can see what it did to me yeah i was so depressed yeah it was it was a lot what film are we going to go for next i think like that was that was a kind of a quick i'm trying to do a link here a quick and snappy uh uh, godzilla is the next one (laughs) (laughs) godzilla 
My, oh my god. I got a subscription. Yeah. I've actually watched a few films that I didn't review because Emer very kindly got me a, uh, no, no, God, not Godzilla vs. Kong, Godzilla. It would have been like the last thing I sent you. See, this is a problem with Do Not Live in the same place. We get a... I've, I've got a Godzilla 1954 on. original. I'm te- yeah. <laughs> I'm I haven't you listened a- to this yet. I actually did not know you sent it to me. I, I got a subscription kindly to where Emer got me for Christmas to the Criterion Collection. Did I mm. tell you this? Mm-mm. And uh, it's so good. And like, it's really nice. But I end up watching, I've mas- mostly just been watching like weird black and white Japanese films. Um, I'm watching a lot of Kurosawa Oh, movies yeah. and they're so good but I feel like they're, they're not really that interesting to talk about Kurosawa movies are good it's just they're five hours long um, yeah uh, what's that Seven Samurai oh my god so yeah it's too it's but too long this was, this long. was Russian I, I think Godzilla good. it's interesting I'll, I'll talk after just play it yeah uh, so Godzilla 1954 so I just watched the original 1954 Godzilla um, a film that I've wanted to have watched for a long time but never really wanted to watch just because i thought it was like old and probably like boring and i thought the special effects would be really shit um i was wrong well i was it is old (laughs) and the special effects are shit but it's not boring um it was very good i really enjoyed it um i never watched a film that has like you know when they have just like little miniature things it's like uh, for special effects, they just have like two little toy cars crashing into each other and stuff. I'd never watched a whole film that's all effects like that before, I, I don't think. And um, it's really fun to watch, like, it's really silly and funny looking. And uh, yeah, the, the film was the film itself was not silly or funny, uh, which was surprising. Like, the franchise has obviously gone in such crazy ways, and I've reviewed Godzilla films, films before, but it's it's quite serious. Like it's it's made only nine years after the nuclear bombs were dropped on Japan, and um, it's clearly like just like a strong anti-nuclear, anti-weapons of mass destruction film. And Godzilla is obviously like a metaphor for that. But there's like a lot of scenes of like war or like kind of destroyed Tokyo and people crying and people like clutching dead bodies and stuff and it's like pretty heavy. Um but at the same time like Godzilla is so ridiculous and he looks like he can like he has like ice breath and laser breath and stuff. So and it's so old it's kind of hard to gauge like what the intended um theme or emotion of the film was supposed to be. Uh but it was really good, really worth watching. The story progresses in an interesting way where while there are like main characters you get loads of different perspectives from different people on each kind of significant event that happens. Like some of it's from the perspective of people in the government or people like fishermen or people um, in the public. And the way the story goes like that, at the start, it kind of doesn't seem like he's a main character at all. Um, and then kind of some evolve over time. But this is a really interestingly put together movie. And, and, uh, yeah, I'm glad I watched it. I would definitely recommend watching it. Although, I know it's kind of a hard sell, like, watching something. Yeah, it's fucking, you know, Godzilla from, like, seven years ago. But, uh, fuck, that's a long time, isn't it? Uh, watch it. It's good. <laughs> it is a long time. It is. It's a 70-year-old movie. 70 years old, yeah. Well, almost. Yeah. It's 74, so in two years it'll be 70 years two old. Two years, yeah, That's fucking years. old. Like. That's old, yeah. Um, yeah, that film was really good. Like, 
Because I always knew the idea of Godzilla was like, he was associated with nuclear. I didn't know that. I, I was really interested to hear that. I mean, it sounds obvious, uh, but I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's like a, a metaphor for... But even like, even in the film, the where Godzilla comes from initially is they're doing, Japan are doing nuclear bomb tests in the ocean. And then they like smash open this big cave underwater mm. and he's in, he's in there like he's like supposed to be some oh. ancient thing so they're like look what you've unleashed now we're using these doing these bomb tests and then like there's parts where they're like we can't do any more nuclear bomb tests because we could smash open more caves and more fucking dinosaurs oh. could come and i thought it was destroy. a science experiment gone wrong no, no modern no. godzillas are that though i think it's always a bit of nuclear stuff yeah there's one there's it's the, interesting that the japan has nuclear power does it? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. And they, and they, uh, <laughs> it's like, did they, it's like, it's really great that the message of this film really worked and made yeah. people realize that nuclear didn't work and yeah. <laughs> whatever. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, Japan's nuclear power, but like, the Japanese government didn't make this movie. Like. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they actually, do you know what? Who made this movie? I heard a very interesting story about uh, the, Kim Jong-il or Kim Jong, like the the one before, I guess the current... Uh, Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un's um, granddad kidnapped... Oh, I think his name was Kim Il-sung. Kim Il-sung, yeah. He, he, he kidnapped the makers of Godzilla and made them make a, uh, basically like a North Korean version of Godzilla. Like Why? a complete ripoff because he loved the movie. So he kidnapped the man and his wife, who was like, I think an actor in it. And uh, they lived in um, North Korea for ages until they like made his movie for him, and uh, and apparently like it was like apparently one of the things he was the proudest of in his whole life was that he made this movie. I would really like to see that. Yeah, it's, I think it's meant to be quite good. I mean, I don't know. It's it's uh, I'd check it out. Yeah, it's interesting. So in that, like Godzilla's just like it's basically just I guess it's, it's he's basically just like a nuclear bomb or she. Um, and, and it's like, just destroying the shit out of Tokyo. Just walking around Tokyo, completely wrecking the place. Yeah, and uh, and then sometimes it goes back into the sea, and then it'll come back out again and smash the okay. place. There is one bit that's that's quite funny. Like I liked it, but there's one bit that's like, it feels like it could be up to fifteen minutes. I don't know how long it is of just Godzilla knocking buildings over. <laughs> it goes on for so long. And I watched it with Gary, and after a while, like we were just kind of sitting in silence. And you know, when, like a scene so long, you're nearly like looking at each other, be like. <laughs> This is still going on. <laughs> it's nice because yeah. all the practical effects and stuff. I think that's why it was such a big success, though, is the, is the, the kind of technical achievement of mm. it. Uh, and that, I mean, I, I know we're so used to see, like seeing things that actually, well, I mean, I guess in 20 years, they'll probably look back and say what we're looking at is ridiculous. But, you know, that I think back then people were watching it going like, this is incredible. Oh, I remember yeah. like talking about birds with my dad. Um, we, were, we were watching Birds, the Alfred Hitchcock film. And my dad didn't want us to watch it. I was like, you know, I was like 10 or something like that. He's like, you can't watch that film. You'll be terrified of birds. Uh, you know, for a week I watched that movie. I, anytime a bird landed near me, I was terrified. And we watched it. It was just like so fake. Yeah, yeah, Everything yeah. looked shit. I was like, this is so obviously not real. It didn't scare us at all. Um, even though it probably scared me now, it is just because of the suspense. Yeah. But, you know, back then people would have been watching Godzilla thinking, oh my God, this is the most realistic representation of a giant lizard destroying Tokyo mm. I've ever seen. I do I do think it's nice to think about that sometimes with films. Um 
like when Godzilla was first released, did people just go see it in the cinema and be like, oh my God. People would be freaking out. Um, I like imagining when Jurassic Park first came out, like, God, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine yeah. just seeing a trailer for that and being like, fuck, that looks class. And then you go and see it and you're like, Jesus, that was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little bit biased opinion there. Yeah. But I mean, it's the, it is know, like, the old, like... Let's say Die Hard or yeah. whatever. When Die Hard first came out, yeah. people went to see it and were like, fuck me. That was, like, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just funny to think of classic films as new films. Yeah, I do think no, no, no. It's true. I mean, it's the great, you know, when the when the the the, the two the Frere Lumiere, the two guys who invented cinema, showed that film of the train arriving at the station, and famously, people ran out of the cinema because they thought the train was going to hit them. Like we just continuously have moments like that in, mm. in cinema history, where you know it's kind of like Godzilla. People have the same thing. We're like, fuck, I'm terrified of this. Um, I don't know what the most recent one was in terms of that, though. I mean, most re- yeah, most recent. Kind of, I mean, I guess Gollum was a big thing where people saw Gollum and they were like, oh, my God, that looks insane. Like it's, you know, it, it looks like a real life creature. Yeah, and now, you know? now, and now we look back on it, we're like, or Toy Story, people were amazed. Toy Story 1 does not look great now. But it did, at the time, people were just. I find that's so weird. And though, cinema keeps like... reinventing and making things more and more realistic. But it's weird how like your perception of what's real is relative to current technology yeah it's just so weird like so looking at ps1 games and like mm. now i'm like the graphics in this are so bad i don't even really know what i'm what i'm supposed to be seeing here. <laughs> and then um and then new, like but, but remember the time, when you were a kid and you saw and you're like you this thought, looks this looks totally fine and like weird. i don't understand it's just so weird that like you could look at something and be like this looks real mm. and then now you're like it doesn't like what else is what else has changed? Yeah, in well, life? I guess like that's like you know you watch things like all the the all the CGI that we have now we think is like perfectly accurate, but it's not. Like there is, you do know that you're watching something. But mm-hmm. I remember uh, a few months ago there was a clip of a driving. I think it was like Drive, Drive to Survivor, one of those computer games, and um, I sound like an old person. But there was a clip of a car driving along a road, mm. going extremely fast. I think it was actually a motorbike, and it looked. People thought it was real. Yeah, the the I think that's one. There these like so we are probably near enough to that level of mm. like real reality and computer graphics looking. I think video games are probably the closest to it. Car games they really like like Gran Turismo. You know that mm. they really like getting the graphics real good on that. Um, mm. It's a really boring game, I think. But uh, mm. I I I've probably raised this before because I always I like talking about it. But do you think there'll come a time where computer or like video link it to film somehow link it link the theory oh, to yeah. film <laughs> like let's imagine if there's a film do you think this film would represent reality if <laughs> no uh basically like will there come a time where in court video evidence won't be admissible yeah because they'd be like you could have just made this they have ways of proving that um i think there was an irish guy because of the deep fake scenario yeah uh there's someone who you're able to find out if video footage has been messed with uh they have technology to figure that out so like visually it might look like it's a real thing even though you can always tell if something's a little you go that's a little bit off but uh you can for now you, you can't for for now, now, probably but, but anyway that you're able to look at the actual uh video and tell if it's through mm. some sort of process or whatever tell if it's the pixels have been adjusted or something like that. Interesting. Um, but I mean, like the damage is already done, I suppose. Yeah. But I mean, I do think, is there going to be a time when things are going to be so realistic 
in terms of, I don't know how we experience films, but we might be experiencing them through VR headsets or whatever. I don't know what the future of cinema is. Um, but there might be a point when it's too realistic. I remember talking to a guy, I went to film in the lobby of, there was, there was, they were doing VR in the lobby of a film in New York. And I went and I put them on and it was, um, who is the, the Prince of Persia? It was a Prince of Persia VR experience. I went into it. I put the thing it's on. It's fucking Jake Gyllenhaal. And you're jumping around. It wasn't Jake, it wasn't Jake Gyllenhaal, but you were running around. You were the Prince of Persia. You were jumping onto all the other buildings and stuff. And it was crazy. Like you're jumping off the building and everything. It was like a bit scary. I got a little bit of a feeling in my belly, like when yeah. you go down a hill. I and I said that to them. I felt a bit sick. And I, I said that. I was like, oh, I felt a bit sick. And he said they actually had to tone it down because it was so realistic. People were feeling very, very ill uh, watching it. And I was like, wow, like they, they actually are toning it back to try that's so funny so i mean they're at the level now where the technology is far enough that they're actually bringing it back so that it's not as upsetting an experience so yeah who knows you know it's the future of film experience and entertainment on that topic should we review another movie i think so uh so the next film we are going to review is a documentary uh about a football team of thai boys and i think um I think people probably know this one, but uh, they got stuck in a cave. It was oh, a big yeah. news story. And there was a documentary um, made about it. And this is what I thought. I watched a film last night called The Rescue, uh, which is basically a film about, do you know when those um, Thai school kids or that Thai football team um, got stuck in the cave in uh, in Thailand? Um, and then like the whole world was trying to rescue. They're basically like the more recent version of the Chilean miners when the whole world was obsessed with like a load of people who were stuck in a space and they couldn't um, get them. Well, it's a documentary about how they uh, saved those kids. And um, and yeah, I mean, it follows these uh, British divers who are like these middle-aged men who do cave diving as a hobby. And they, um, they're actually like the best cave divers in the world. And it's funny because... I guess cave diving is just like this really specific skill that um, not very many people can do. And the only people who are good at it are like these kind of middle-aged uh, men who are kind of loners and they uh, and they do it as a hobby and they do it all the time. And, um, and then basically like the Thai military and everyone was trying to get into the cave and try save the kids, but they have to go really far and uh, the, they have, they realize they can't do it and they call on these um on these dudes who are just like sort of laid back guys <laughs> who do it as a weekend hobby to come and try and help them out and um the movie is is brilliant like it's really really good it's like it's one that you'll tear up to uh because there's lots of little emotional bits it's really well tied together um the only uh, the only issue i'd say with it and i really really recommend watching it uh the only issue i'd say was just like it didn't focus enough on the kids and on the sort of tie aspect uh like the names of the kids weren't really talked about and i was thinking that was a bad aspect but then i realized it's probably because of like movie rights i'd say that those kids are probably waiting for a big hollywood deal to sell their story and this documentary filmmaker maybe didn't get the rights to it or something um but anyway overall like a, a really amazing film like a really incredible feat of how you know the whole world can come together just to save some kids I mean, just to save some kids, but it was just really nice to see the amount of human effort that went to went into saving these kids. It was really beautiful. That sounds good. Yeah. I, that's funny when you said the kids in the cave. I forgot that there's the kids in the cave and the miners in the cave. Yeah, people forget about 
like major news events. It's really mm. interesting. I mean, like the Chilean miners thing, that was like two months of our lives, maybe even longer. And the Thai, you know, the Thai football team, they, they were in there for, you know, what was it, like 12 days. And it was front page news every single day. How did they get in there in the first place? Well, the way it works with, uh, it's like these, these are some really impressive caves that you can go into and check out you know uh, they're like a, a local geographical thing that people check yeah, out yeah. Uh, but uh, they're only available outside of monsoon season you shouldn't go in um, you know when mon- you can't you shouldn't go in when monsoon season is just about to happen because mm. what happens is they get flooded every year uh, and the and they went and monsoon season came early uh, they got flooded in and Jesus. so, and so Everyone thought they were dead, and they were actually just going on a on a rescue mission. Um, uh, sorry, on a rescue, but on like a, to find the like. Yeah, you know, yeah. There was like no way they're alive, and then these guys, uh, you know, go through the caves and try look for them and stuff. Obviously, like we know that they got out because it was such a big part of the news. But to see the story, Wait. to see how it happens, and how small the margins are to get them in. I mean. I feel I feel like we live in an age where I know I have this idea that like if there's cameras and there's international focus on a subject, then the kind of, you know, nature doesn't matter. Like, let's say someone's stuck on top of Mount Everest. If we all know about it, they'll be fine. But the reality is nature doesn't care about that. And yeah. we actually aren't capable of just doing whatever we want. Yeah. And, th- and these kids were stuck in this cave and, you know, we would have spent 500, a billion to try save them. But we literally didn't weren't able to do it because nature is just it's just like more rain is coming how do you mm. stop rain you can't mm. stop rain it's, and uh, it was just it's so dramatic and it's it really is. impressive and it's so funny these late back kind of like english people are like well we've got to go in the cave got to save the kids you know that's how it goes um what, what did so they went in initially and they thought they were going in to basically look for dead bodies well, they were, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. yeah. I, well, I mean, they didn't know. Signal. They didn't know everyone's, you know, hope. People were really hoping. Yeah. They wouldn't have put that amount of effort in if they hadn't thought maybe there's a chance of them God, surviving. God, that was so scary being in there and seeing the water level rising. Like, oh. When you oh. see, so, like, cave diving is, is super niche because it seems Look, like the most terrifying. It seems horrible. It seems horrible. Uh, these guys absolutely love it. And they do all seem to have a kind of loner vibe about them. Mm. They, they enjoy the, being in this little space and sort of. I don't know. They like it. Uh, and it's something that people don't like. There is a funny line where basically they're very lucky that uh, there's an English man who lives there. He's sort of a local tour guide. And he was into um, cave diving. And he but he also has strong connections with Thailand. He's lived there for ages. Mm. And um, he gives a list. He knew all these guys in the UK who were good at it. He gives a list. And there's also people in France. They were all European kind of. Uh, and he knew and he gave the list to the people in uh, the army and um and he said get these guys and i mm. think that decision to get them is kind of why they were safe because yeah, the time yeah. industry were really frustrated they couldn't understand why these like dudes who are they're not athletic looking they're not uh you know they're not like they don't even speak in a kind of like a, a charismatic way or whatever but they're so good at it and, yeah. it, and they, the time military are super annoyed because they and it's tragic like they they think they can do it and and you know Lives end up getting lost and stuff like that by people because tr- they they did some of the kids die. Not one of them died. No, Jesus. Uh, but I mean that's not a spoiler because that, that's major news. So I don't think yeah. that counts as spoiler. This is a new. You can't yeah. spoil like documentaries. Yeah, well, you can't. Can't. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, let it spoil. But anyway, fuck it. Just watch it because the the knowing the outcome doesn't change the experience yeah, of watching yeah, the film. Yeah. I think 
yeah, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to know more about that. And I do think it's 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 kind of weird, kind of nice and maybe good in a way to sometimes have these things where, like, I think you can kind of assume in modern life that if you put enough money into something, you can just sort it out. But I find it mad that, like, we can, like, it's nearly, you're so used to just assuming that everything can be fixed or something. That, yeah. Like, it's mad that we can, like, send people to the moon, but we couldn't get those kids out of the cave. Yeah, well, remember we just lost that plane. I thought that was, like, remember that there was that famous plane, um, like, what was it, like, five years ago or oh, something yeah, like that? it was, like, Indonesia. They just disappeared. And, 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 and everyone, was, everyone was really, like, where is the plane? How can they not find the plane? How did it just disappear? But, th- you know... The world's really big. The world's really big. And, 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 and uh, like, the, you the, can't... The Chilean miners as well. Like, I, in my head, I know it sounds so stupid, but I was like, why don't they just drill a huge hole in and get well, them? Well, that is essentially what they did. Why didn't they do that right away? <laughs> well, because it's very hard to drill through all that and find out where they are and stuff. But and the fucking mine was well, there in the first place. If you're place. drilling a hole into a cave, there's already been a cave collapse. Uh, and if you're drilling into that, because there was a documentary made about that as well, I remember watching. If you're drilling into that, um, you're you're very at risk of upsetting the thing and like making the mm. cave collapse into them. So it's oh, very difficult. Yeah. There's certain types of drills that you have to use to create a very they small. They're sold out. They may made an incredibly small hole to oh. get through. Um, so yeah, the, the I had a funny thing in work. I was doing this kind of workshop, and at the start they had one of these um, icebreaker things. Mm. where everyone just had to take a card and the cards had different things written on them. Like, mm. like they, some of them would say like, what's your favorite movie? And other ones would say other stuff. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of like, so you didn't have to say a fun fact or whatever. You mm. just like had to answer a random question. And one person was like, name a memory from your life that you'll never forget. And then she went, ah, I think. <laughs> and then she went, I guess, like, remember when all those miners got stuck in Chile in the cave? That was crazy. Like, I don't know. Like, that, that's not... That's not really... That's a, not very personal. Yeah, yeah, Like, it's like a movie story. It was nice. When well, my child was born, or yeah, I you know, my first kiss, or yeah. when I learned to ride a bike. Yeah, I liked it. I shouldn't I shouldn't tell stories like that, actually, on this, but anyway, there you go. Um... I thought it was a funny, I liked it. Um, I like that. Um, so the next song that we're going to do is an old classic. Song? Song? You said the next song we're going to do. Well, sorry. The reason I said the next song we're going to do is because the next film we're going to do is an old classic. And Mark is going to actually sing one of the songs from it for us. I will after. This is The Sound of Music. Uh, I just watched The Sound of Music, a film that I'd never seen before that Emer's been trying to get me to watch for about 14 years and I finally did it um, and yeah I thought it was really good it's uh, I didn't want to watch it because I kind of thought it was just a load of people kind of running around in the hills like just singing songs and stuff I knew the Nazis were in it a bit but I wasn't um, I wasn't sure to what extent and yeah it's just a real story you know like they really took it took it took it far like there was plenty of times where I felt like the film could have ended and you would have been like, okay, that was like a, you know, a story. I don't know. I feel like I'm not going to give away spoilers. This is the sound of music. I feel like I can say spoilers. But like the, uh, like when she comes into the house and then when she finally like wins your man over and then you're like, ah, you know, he, she's, she's, she's melted his heart of stone and now he likes music again. You're like, grand. And then when eventually there's a wedding 
you're like, okay, now this has happened, now that. But then the fucking Nazi part, holy shit. Like, I, the last hour, no, the last, like, maybe half hour was so intense. Like, I was proper scared. <laughs> like, when the Nazis are chasing them around the fucking convent, it's like, Jesus, and they're hiding behind graves and stuff. So scary. You really, you really kind of form a relationship with all these, the little Von Trapp family over the course of the film, and it's... uh yeah, you just really want them to succeed. They've been through such an emotional journey. Um, I would say a good thing, it's three hours, which is obviously too long. But what's nice is, like a lot of old films, it's got an intermission halfway. And we actually just took a, a full 24-hour break between part one and two. And it felt totally fine, because part one and two are very different. One is just kind of singing and you know, kind of normal, not the stakes aren't so high. And then in, in part two, the stakes are extremely high and the highest. So it's a good film to watch over two days. If I can't imagine a situation where you'd consciously want to do that, but if you ever do, it's a good one for that. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea the sound of music was three hours long. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. I've seen it. Like, I mean, sound of music is kind of one of those films that you, You've probably seen several times, but you know you've never like I'd never sit down and watch. Oh, let's stick on the sound of music. You should. It's <laughs> it's fucking good. Like yeah. I know Emer Emer always says she's always right, and she actually is. Like <laughs> um, Emer says Emer says I'm always right. No, she says she's always like she would say the quote I am always right. <laughs> yeah. um, she actually is. Always to, right. to, she is. Yeah, she's not wrong about anything. <laughs> but uh, she was saying like watch sound of music, you'll like it. And I was like I won't like it. It's gonna be shit mm. and. It looks shit, you know? Like, when you Isn't see it? the cover, it's just, like, oh. her on the fucking running around a hill, and you're mm. just like, oh, it's so boring, but it's actually so good. Like, yeah, uh, some of the songs are really good. The, mm. like, the the there's a bit in it that reminds me, you know the scene, you know in Casablanca where the people start singing the German national anthem, yeah. and then they overpower them with the French national mm-hmm, anthem? Mm-hmm. You're like, fuck, it's so good. There's mm. a scene in, a similar scene in Sound of Music where, like, they sing that like Austrian pride song in front of all the Nazis because the Nazis are going to like take over Austria or whatever. I can't remember. And they sing that Austrian thing. The end? And everyone's like, yes, Austria. I can't remember that one. It's mad. Well, I, 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 uh, I know the sound of music well. I don't know why. I feel like it was always on at Christmas. It's a Christmassy one. And, yeah. um, and it was always on in the background. I think my granny really liked it. I'd say and so. I remember the scenes. I like the I am 16 going on mm. 17. Oh, do you like a problem like Maria? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, I hate musicals. Like I really don't like them. And and like I try, I try watch them again and again and again. And they just there's something about the um, the fact that people are singing. Yeah. That I've never been able to vibe with. It's annoying. But uh, something about the sound of music and those older style musicals of the kind of like the Hollywood era. Um, something about them I find really palatable. Like the, the, mm. it's kind of like that we know it's a musical or something like that. Whereas I find the acting in modern musicals too real, and like it feels like you know the, the difference between them singing and them kind of acting is too vast. And it's mm. just like when they break into song, it just fucks with me yeah. too much. Whereas with these ones, I guess like when they break into song, it feels also with the sound of music. They're not, it's not like they're entering fantasy land when they're yeah, singing their songs. They, it, it, the song is part of the plot. It That's makes sense. Like, right? yeah. like they're singing a song to go to bed and, and she teaches them how to sing. And 
you yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. part of her character and stuff like that. And like he sings Edelweiss and it's part of him kind of. So music is used as a narrative device. Whereas when someone just like breaks out into song, I just, I've always found it so difficult. I just, yeah. I've never liked I'm it. I'm trying to think of it like The Nightmare Before Christmas is a musical, I guess. Yeah. And I really liked, I think that's a very good film. Mm. Um, what else? Well, I, I like, I, I don't, I don't like, like La La Land couldn't, like, I watched like five rubbish. minutes of it. I was like, this is not for me. Uh, but I, I just thought this was, it was like, like you well, it's get, a classic when a film yeah. is that long as well and like yeah. uh you really like get to know the family and like the first one as i said it's all such low stakes it's just kind mm. of like oh our father's very grumpy like let's <laughs> try and make him less grumpy like. and uh uh well there's a bit more weight to it than that but then the second one they're like you know this family that we've like taught you to love mm. they're gonna be killed <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're gonna kill them. I was like, like fuck in your voice review where you were like, I knew there's Nazis in it, but I didn't know the extent of how much Nazis were in it. <laughs> it was just <laughs> it is the scary the biggest scary character. It, I was know. afraid. Like yeah. the, the, the It scene. is scary. The end scenes when they're in the graveyard, it's very dark. Oh. They're hiding. It's terrifying. You know? What do you think the Von Trapp like because you know the Von Trapp family are real? Yeah, yeah. Fucking crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Because one, one of... Uh, I didn't know that, and I was talking to my old boss about... They toured and stuff. Yeah, I was yeah. talking to my old boss about it, and I was like... Saying... Um, I was like, it's like the, the Von Trapp family they clearly just perished in the forest. Like, because what were they going to do? They just went into the mountains with nothing. Like, And he was like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure they went to Switzerland, and then I think they went to the States. And I was like, no, they didn't. And he's like, they did. And I was like, the film just ends. And they, <laughs> they were arguing yeah. based on the film and he's arguing and based know, on fact. I didn't know they were real people. And I was like, how can you possibly say they went to Switzerland and yeah. the state? They just make this up. What's the reason that the Nazis are after them? Basically, um, I can't remember. There's some word, but basically Is like... they're trying to abstain from the war or something? No, the, the, the... He's like some military guy and he's rich. Yeah. And then the, the Nazis basically want... Austria to be part of Germany essentially yeah, yeah. and they're going to come in and they're putting up swastikas and and German Nazifying Austria mm. and then he is going to ev- everyone in the military is supposed to kind of swear oh, an allegiance okay, to the okay. to, to Hitler or something like that to the yeah. Nazis and he won't do it okay because he's too proud of his country okay and then okay. they're like we're gonna get you we're gonna kill you yeah well I mean I don't know like this movie this podcast usually is based on like recommending, but I don't know. If you, can you recommend the sound of music? I mean, yeah, I think it's fair to like. I also think the same about like Godzilla. Like, yeah. you know, there's all these films that just exist, and you just don't think to watch them because yeah. they just existed for forever. And you're like, hmm. well, I think that's, I think it's good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, revisit the ones that you suppose you're supposed to have watched. Yeah, yeah, and you never have. Because actually, I find films that you don't like, you want, as I said about Godzilla, you want to have watched, but you don't necessarily want to watch. They're often like classics because they're like pretty good. Yeah. I don't feel that way necessarily about books, though. A lot of books that are considered cl- like like classics, yeah. you try and read them, and you're like, "Fuck, this is so hard to read." Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, whereas movies, I think they often are very good. Yeah, they, well, I mean, I, I, I like I tend to agree. I mean, there are some like I mean, Kurosawa, Seven Samurai. Like, I really like that movie, but it's like I could, it's long and it's like it it can be very boring at times and mm. so i mean like they are, like films can sometimes be but i mean the general classics like sound of music or i mean i've never seen that that my, what is it my fair later what's the what's <laughs> the what, what's the one that broke all the records 
I don't know. Is, is, is My Fair Lady with Audrey Hepburn? I don't know. Or uh, what's the Breakfast at Tiffany's? I've never seen Breakfast at uh, Tiffany's. Like, I should watch that, right? I feel like I should watch it as well. Yeah. Let's, maybe we'll be watching. Maybe let, next week, let's watch Breakfast at Tiffany's. Maybe we can have like a classics. At the end of the pod, we review one of the classics. Okay. Oh, it's a so, new section we've just invented. Yeah, that was the first of our classics <laughs> sections. Emer <laughs> was watching uh, My Fair Lady after we watched Sound of Music. And I was like kind of uh, paying a bit of attention to it. And I was like, God, this actually looks so good. <laughs> George Bernard Shaw um, wrote Pygmalion. Yeah. And he, he's an Irish writer. He won a Nobel Prize. Paul Bowner as well. Did he? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but he's the, the only person in the world to win a uh, an Oscar and a Nobel Prize. What did he win an Oscar for? My Fair Lady. It's based on Pygmalion. Oh, right. For so, yeah. I think the plot of My Fair Lady is now quite problematic like teaching a teaching someone who doesn't talk properly to, to, to become to yeah, become yeah, yeah. Like, but that's the, the, in the play that's that's discussed the problem the problematic aspects of that is discussed mm, um is also watching a film called The King and I oh yeah that's another classic but that's classics corner I think that might have like a, a Caucasian man playing an Asian man. Oh, yeah, I think it does. <sighs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We have to, when we're doing Classic Corner, we have to be careful that the films pass the kind of, well, they have to pass the Bechdel test, but also yeah. <laughs> that they're just not, I mean, some things have aged badly, haven't they? Oh, yeah. Um, But I also uh, wanted to mention the fact that uh, at the end of the last podcast, we mentioned that we were going to a film premiere Oh, uh, but we but we obviously couldn't go because uh, I got COVID and Mark potentially had COVID. Oh, I, I we should actually address the fact that at the very beginning of the last podcast, I said I have COVID, and you're like, yeah, Mark has COVID, and it turned out that at that time I didn't have COVID yeah. and you did. I, I had COVID <laughs> and he did not COVID. So yeah, but now we're both COVID free. Uh, well, potentially, you never know when you have it, right? So we're open to your your <laughs> premieres and the red carpet events. Send us. We're ready to go. We want to be invited to more premieres. Uh, we haven't been able to make the ones that, that we were invited to so far, but please send I've us heard, more. I've heard Dr. Michael Morbius is a fantastic film. Yeah, and if there was somehow another premiere for that film, we would totally be open to seeing it. I'd go. It. Yeah. We I'd would go. give, look, we, we would, would give any film that you invite us to five-star review, guaranteed. Easy. Easy. We'll give it any review you want. You could yeah. send us to a competitor's premiere mm-hmm. and we'll say it, it sucks. Yeah. We would, like, we'll do whatever you want, just so long as you invite us to premieres. That's all, okay? Um, a pop, maybe, like, a popcorn and a drink. Yeah, well, like, yeah. We'd sell ourselves for pop- mm. the cost of a movie ticket and popcorn and drink. Um, we'll pay. <laughs> we'll pay. We will pay you. For the free tickets. <laughs> anyway, yeah. it looks like we're hitting the one the one hour mark. Yeah, so um, we, we, should, uh, we should wrap it up. But we want to say thanks for all the messages from the last one. It was very nice. And, um... If you have any more things that you thought we were dumb about, uh, which is often the case, just send us a little message. Um, if anyone has any proof that Coda is a real life film, send it to us. Mm, I'd be interested to see that. Um, and yeah, of course, only people who are qualified to a master's level in mm-hmm. their subject matter can get in touch. Yeah. Um, Goes but yeah, at MK Ultra Film on Instagram. Um, that's it. That's it. All right. Thanks so much for bye listening. Bye bye. Cheers. Cheers.